If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I'm Scott Gimple, showrunner of The Walking Dead, and you are listening to Walking Dead Cast. Hey everybody, it's Walking Dead Cast episode 140, what is it, 3? And a special episode today, I'm sure you figured it out by now, we're talking with showrunner Scott Gimple. I'm so excited to be talking with Scott because we've been trying to get Scott for oh about a year and a half now, but uh, this actually turned out to be a great time to talk to him right after the conclusion of his first season as showrunner. And uh, I did the interview earlier today, I thought it was really great, fascinating. I didn't get to ask even half of the questions I had for him, but um you know, we're lucky to have him for as long as we did. And let's get right to it. Hope you enjoy. Be right back with Scott. First off, I just want to tell you that this was mine and Karen's favorite season of Walking Dead so far, and a bunch of our listeners have said the same thing. So I just want to thank you for doing such an amazing job on the show. Thank you. No, sure. I mean, that's, you know, that's high praise from you guys. I mean, you guys are, I would say you guys watch with an intensity unmatched. How's that? <laughs> yeah. A lot of our listeners do too. And we get, you know, lots of email and people come up with things that we hadn't considered. So it's just really fun to be able to chew on something like that. And this season especially has given us a lot. It felt deeper to me. And looking back over the season, a lot of the elements felt more connected and reverberated across individual episodes more than usual, um, like big themes even or little elements uh, passivism versus brutality down to the sunflowers appearing in a painting and again at Terminus. And I almost picture you at home with like a big cork board with like beautiful mind style uh, post-it notes with strings <laughs> attaching them all. I just wanted to know if it was especially important for you to connect things this season and how did you manage to do that? I think the thing that allows us to do it and gives us a chance to, um, to I guess, do that extra stuff Mm -hmm. is just planning is just knowing where we're going from the start. Mm -hmm. I came in with the season fairly well mapped out, especially the first eight and to provide that to the writers and sort of have a really big basis for our conversations from the beginning. Mm. I don't know. It just gave us that opportunity in big ways and small ways. So you sat alone before you ever talked to a writer and map pretty much mapped out the first eight. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like every scene I'm saying, mm. uh, you know, the, the virus storyline was going to go this many episodes and, 
then we were going to go to the governor and then they were going to crash together. And there were certainly very fantastic adjustments to that that came out of the writer's room. But having that basis, it got us off and running quicker and I certainly knew what I wanted. And thus the writers were able to come up with stuff that spoke to that. And I knew that the back half was them split apart Uh and focusing on these groups. And even with the groups, I think I might have had the groups nailed down. I'm not sure because even if I had them nailed down, I know they shifted from our conversations. And we figured out the best sort of combinations to bring out the individual stories of the characters. Did you know when you were writing Rick as a farmer pacifist in season one that he would end up, I mean, in episode one, that he would end up just brutally killing somebody at the end? Oh, no, I knew that precisely. I mean, I knew I knew the claimer scene uh-huh. that we were leading to that scene. So much of what we do, that what I do when I start in talking to the writers and then we do together is... Um, what are the moments leading to the moment mm-hmm. and how does that serve the overall character and what is that character's journey and how do they change or how do they maintain themselves through everything they've gone through, mm-hmm. which I guess Daryl's story is more an example of. Mm-hmm. So the moments that you're talking about seem like a few of them this season to like comic readers delight have been some of the most intense moments pulled right out of the comic. Has it been fun to drive towards those? Oh yeah. And that, that absolutely became sort of the way I thought about the show. I did uh, the episode pretty much that already, which in the comic book was powerful. And that was just Herschel's family coming out of the barn and his friends that was an example of all of us coming together and figure out a way to make something that worked in the comic book hit even harder, do all the stuff that Robert was doing and figure out ways to even turn it up more. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's how I'd look at the show is finding those moments in the book that I loved or those moments that are just critical to the story. And how do we serve them in ways that, turn it up even that much more. (laughs) That's great. Cause I think that moment in particular, pretty much that already was really when the show was like, it exploded, you know, everybody was talking about it. (laughs) Well, I mean, as a comic reader and I was, and am, you know, I came to the show as a fan, you know, I watched the first season. I didn't work on the first season. Mm -hmm. I read the book before the first season because I come from sort of a comics animation background it's all there in the book. We have an opportunity and also sort of there's a necessity to tie in our character because we have so many characters and we only have 16 episodes. How do we tie in those character stories as hard into those moments from the book Mm -hmm. as we can? And I just love it when, when we're able to with the Grove you know, the basis of that story is totally and completely from the comic book. Yeah. But looking at that story and looking at the story that I wanted to tell for Carol, you know, I went to Kirkman and I was like, I know this is a huge Carl story, but this would really go well with the Carol story that we're telling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Cause of Sophia. Cause of Sophia. Well, I mean, the reason that Carol was, try to teach these kids how to protect themselves. Yeah, that absolutely comes from Sophia. Mm-hmm. And for her to be the one that has to experience the Billy and Ben story, 
that just seemed like a, a powerful matchup. Totally. And it seems like, you know, I mean, comics definitely are a powerful medium, but when we get to see flesh and blood, uh, people up on screen we get more attached to them so that's one way that these powerful moments you're talking about can be even more impactful they're you know they're different mediums i mean i think in i mean in a lot of ways the the comic will always be more powerful and in some ways yes yeah. the um the tv show can edge up on the comic in certain areas because of you know people and music and yeah yeah uh cinematography and amazing actor and scares too and scares yeah. yeah you know it's funny i mean when i started out you know one of my first jobs out of college I, I desperately wanted to work in comics one of the only comic companies in la was uh bongo comics which is a simpsons comic book mm-hmm. um, company that uh, matt graining owns and i interned there and then i worked there and uh i was writing simpsons comics and it was such a in so many ways such a hard thing to do because it's one of the greatest television shows of all time, and you're trying to be as good as they are without all of their tools, mm-hmm. without you know being on television. And now I'm on a TV show. And I'm trying to be as good as a comic. Uh, <laughs> can't win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's so much fun to be a Walking Dead fan because I do love the comic, and um, you know, I think for a long time I liked the comic better than the show, but this season that's you know. It's it's really turning around. But I want to switch over to a little bit uh, different text. So Walking Dead, the comic and the show, love to confound expectations. And I was wondering when you guys decided not to kill any core characters in the finale, were you thinking about confounding expectations? Um, it wasn't like the number one, you know, it wasn't like you shouldn't do a death to shock people. You shouldn't do it. People shouldn't live to shock people either. It's all just part of the story. And it should serve the story. And the Herschel death and the governor death completely and totally served the story we were telling this season. Mm-hmm. And really looking at it and kind of playing out the stories, death didn't really serve the story we were telling. And then it was like, whoa, well, that means nobody's going to die in, you know, 15 or 16. And then it was very much like, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Because, like, that's what people expect. And at that point, yeah, it's pretty cool that you're laying out the story. And you're like, Oh, we're not having a death. And it's like, that's the greatest thing in the world. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. if people are setting their watches <laughs> by deaths on the walking dead, that's, that's not cool. Um, that's just sort of a story failure. And it was wild at the end of the season to see all these articles, like who's going to die. Mm-hmm. We were, we were taking bets on it. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I don't know, but it's like, well, why are people dying exactly? I mean, I guess people were like, well, no one's died, but still, it, it wasn't the primary objective at all to, like, shock people that we didn't kill, but it was it was pretty cool to see people so surprised about it. I mean, you know, it's weird to talk about it this way, but for me, too, the episode was so shocking and disturbing, maybe one of the most, that... I didn't even realize no one had died until I thought about it later. Well, I mean, the thing is, is it, 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 the number one thing in this episode isn't who Rick loses. It's about who Rick kills yeah. and how he does it. That was the most important thing. And, you know, we didn't want anything to get in the way of that. That was this giant moment that we were moving towards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
you know, I co-wrote that episode with uh, <laughs> almost called Angela Allison for no reason whatsoever uh, with Angela Kang and Michelle McLaren. Man, that sequence with the Claimers and Rick yeah, amazing. was, I think, one of the best directed sequences we've uh, ever had. I mean, she did an astounding job. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> okay, well, just sticking just really quickly for about people dying. I really hope that the show never gets to a point where the remaining core characters all feel too important to you guys to kill off. Do you think that would happen? Well, that that isn't this show. I mean, nobody. It's a bummer, but nobody's too important to kill <laughs> off. I'm not. I'm not like thrilled to say that, uh-huh. but it's just the nature of this show. Anybody can die, and anybody will die. And I guess my goal is just that it not just be for shock value, and it serve the story. And people might last a good long time, or they might be taken tomorrow. And it's you know the speculation off of all of it. I try not to pay attention too much to that because uh, it's really important that we just sort of serve our story. So. Mm-hmm. People are thinking that we're killing too many people. People are thinking that we're not killing enough people. Um, I'm just trying to tell the story. Yeah, another thing like about paying attention, you know, keeping the characters apart this season had people longing for their favorites. But then they got to form stronger attachments to people like Beth that maybe they wouldn't have thought about before. So is it hard to weigh giving people what they say they want against giving them what you think ultimately would be the most satisfying? Um, that's a great question. I mean, that's sort of the eternal question, which is, you know, do you just give the audience what you think they want? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, which I think is a slippery slope. Me too. I think it really has to be you looking at something and weighing it out, especially with something that's serialized and you know you're going to be doing, or at least that the story is going to be going on for a little while at least. What serves the story best, which ultimately serves the audience best by giving them what you think to be is the best story. I mean, it's a subjective thing, of course. It's important that you both give the audience what they want, but what they need for a good story. You don't, you know, like say an audience like hates a character. That's a bad, you know, one of your main characters or something. Mm -hmm. That's a bad thing. No one in the audience should be like cheering when one of your main characters dies. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not a good thing that, that doesn't symbolize a success in my mind. Yeah. So just by its nature, they're going to be sad when that happens. Well, you hope. (laughs) But so, I don't know. In this back half, in my mind, I think I I was thrilled to do it this way. And I'm just sort of putting me back on the couch, you know, the Sunday nights that I watched the show in the first six. and Mm -hmm. Daydreaming about the kind of episodes I wanted to see in that they serve a greater story that I know what it is from the comic, you know, serving those moments from the comic, that story from the comic. And I felt, I don't know, I felt excited to dig into all of these characters and give every character a story and have every character have a point. Yeah. And I hope, I mean, I really hope that I did, or that we did, pardon me, turn around some of the audience who might have been sort of skeptical, like, you know, where's Rick? And yeah. I mean, if I had if I had my way, I'd love to tell all of these stories to the hilt, you know? Um, totally. You know, I would have loved to have had more Rick this season. I would have loved to have more of every character this season. 
but I think it was an important set of stories that all crashed together in a certain way that served the greater story that we're telling and we're continuing to tell. You guys actually turned me around on Daryl because unlike most of the country, I was thinking he was seeming a little bit too too cool for school, kind of Fonzie-ish. And then... (laughs) (laughs) Well, the motorcycle went away. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then with his episode with Beth, I really got for the first time the pain of how it is to be Daryl, his limited experience, his having to fight for survival all the time. So I really appreciated you being able to focus in on characters like that. That is very cool. And God knows we need more Daryl fans. (laughs) Right, right. It's essential. Um, Okay, so we talked about dark moments and, you know, what Rick did this episode. And in seasons past, some of the moments, dark moments from the comic have been toned down a little bit, like Carl killing zombie Shane instead of living Shane. The governor didn't torture and rape Michonne. But this back half is more true to the comic, Lizzie killing Mika, Carl almost getting raped, Rick gutting that guy. Was that a deliberate decision to go more full bore into the darkness? Mm, that's Yeah, that's amazing. No, I'm, I mean, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't thinking so much about, yeah, it's funny. I No one has ever put it to me that way, and I've never really thought about it that way. I mean, people have said it's been super dark this season, yeah. but like that it was a conscious turn into darkness. It It wasn't a conscious turn into darkness because I'm just realizing that now. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it was just taking moments from the comic and, you know, playing them up as, as hard as we can and tying them to characters. And it, it wasn't like, oh, let's make things darker. Okay. And in fact, uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, it is funny. I, I don't think many people look upon me as that darker person. And I will say, <laughs> we'll say some people have looked upon me a little differently this year where it's like, damn, <laughs> didn't know you had that in you. And, um, I was kind of, you know, I was like, well, I mean, a lot of this is coming from Mr. Kirkman. I yeah. like it. And yes, I think we've done things to even make it darker, but you know, I'm drawing inspiration from some dark material. I will say though, that the comic has also been much lighter than the show has been, you know, yeah. I will say that I did episode 15 last year, and I personally don't think that we could ever do a wedding on the show like they had at the prison in the comic uh-huh. um, when Herschel married Glenn and Maggie and Glenn. Uh-huh. I thought it would have to be much more like how it was in 15, where it was quick. It was quick, but also it was this very intimate thing between two people mm. and almost recognizing that the ceremony of it would never kind of fit in. Mm-hmm. that it was more this intimate thing between two people. I mean, Glenn did talk to Herschel and all, but it's interesting. I mean, I think the, sh- the comic has actually been much lighter than the show has been in parts, and I kind of admire being able to have that broader palette. Yeah, yeah, they talk, they do a lot of more kind of practical things too, where they're opening peaches and things like that. The show is more emotion, emotion, emotion all the time. I think it's a question of having 16 episodes and a number of characters and 42 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, it's the difference between the mediums. But, uh, you know, my goal always is to capture the spirit of the comic and put it on the TV with, you know, turning up all the stuff that I love so much and reading it. Speaking of time limits, we're running up on ours. Oh, yeah. So I want to get to some of the 
um, listener questions. Marcy Brinker wanted to know, she said, I'd like to know how you felt about your first season as showrunner. Was it what you expected? And now that you have a season under your belt, how will it affect your approach to next season? Hmm. Um, I'm very lucky to have worked on the show since season two. So it wasn't jumping in to the unknown. I knew everybody. I loved working with everybody. Uh, there was a lot of brilliance there and a lot of support there. You know, I, I just done episode 15 with Greg who had worked, you know, throughout the seasons I'd worked on the show, but it was just such a, such a cool experience. I don't know. I, I, I and it was also, there was so much to do because I got started a little late just because of, you know, the transition and everything. It was kind of like jumping out of an airplane, but with a parachute that I uh, had a lot of faith in. As far as going into this season, I, I feel a little more prepared just because I have a little more knowledge of how we did it. I'm really excited by it. I don't know. You just want to keep going with the story. And I'm I'm just so excited to do that. You're such a hard worker. Like it's been really hard for me to set up this interview with you. Yeah, I don't do a whole lot of these, but mostly, uh, and it's mostly because it's a morning till night kind of job. Yeah. And there are like little windows that open, but you just never know when they are. But can you keep up this pace for another <laughs> year? <laughs> I'm only laughing because you're the first person. Somebody, you're the first person in an interview that's asked me that. But everybody outside asks me that all the time. I would say this year I worked with uh, my number two, Seth Hoffman, who's an amazing writer, and my production associate, Alex Coley-Brown, and Tom Luce, and Denise Huth, um, on figuring out ways to try and take a little more off my plate. It's, it is a very consuming job, and there's certain things that are, I guess, easier to delegate than other things. So um, trying to shift away from some of the things like working with promo and things that aren't specific to scripts and cuts right and and prep for episodes but i don't know i'm trying you know i'm trying to find time when i can but it, it is a crazy job but it's i'm very lucky that i love it so much well i'll leave you alone for another year but season six <laughs> <laughs> i might be back again okay a couple more questions really quick um sure. will there be any news about the spinoff anytime soon i know you probably can't say but i have to oh ask. no you know what that's a you should just shift to another question, not because I, it's just because I'm totally ignorant about it. I mean, I get, about it. Okay. I get little drips and drabs from Kirkman, but really, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really involved in it. Okay. I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> That's the, you know, I, I don't know much. Right on. Uh, Raylan Zapula wants to know, are you the writer that Kirkman alluded to when he said Milton was modeled after a writer that drinks tea all the time? Ugh. I have no comment on that. <laughs> that answers that question. Yeah, well. <laughs> and then finally, can you give us any kind of hint about what's going to come next? Ooh, um, I guess I can say kind of from a from a vibe point of view. You know, the first eight of season four were one thing; the second eight were something very different. And this next eight are going to be something very different again. Nice. Um, Things are just going to have a much different tone and a much different sort of practical reality moving forward. And the season has a number of shifts of location and and even of sort of the the tone. But the tone for most of the season is very, very, very intense. 
That sounds so going to be very different from the last half season. And I love the last half season, but yeah. it was always, it was always sort of planned out in my head that there would be these sort of big shifts mm-hmm. and we're about to have one of those big shifts. Nice. You do shifts formally too. You, you, you guys, like you have Beth reading her diary, you do this dream flashback. You like to mix it up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, I, we're never going to become lost mm-hmm. um, with flashbacks, but yeah, we always want to play around with things, whether it be time or structure or mm-hmm. um, perspective. We have an opportunity to do that. We have a great variety of characters and story types of stories that we tell. And so uh, why not use all the tools to do so and to make it fun? Great. One thing we ask all our guests is to do a zombie sound. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Doing a zombie they've, sound. They've all. They've all. <laughs> you have no idea how much time I've spent in mixes, like, with such respect for the people that do this. And I, I don't mean to bring down their amazing work. Um, I will say I do like sort of a... a a breathier one sometimes where you just kind of get it like Amy when Amy reanimated mm-hmm. just sort of the like that uh, okay that's good that's that's my favorite I like it thank you so I mean I could totally go on but I want to respect your time so thank you so much that I'm glad this finally worked out and it was a great talk I appreciate it hey thank you so much I'm, yeah. I really appreciate your patience I'm oh, no so problem. sorry about this it's nope. something that I carry around I'm proud like, that we actually did that. it because I you know my persistence paid off so this is great and it's good to have it at the end like our little postmortem I couldn't be happier yeah I, I mean I, I, we, we got to look at the whole the whole burrito That's as right. it were so exactly. Very cool. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks so much, Jason. Take care. Cool. Bye. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. Wait. Okay. So you just interviewed Scott Gimple? Then who am I, my friends? I thought I was Scott Gimple. So now I'm a little confused, Karen and Jason. There seems to be a conspiracy going on. It looks like you two got some splated to do. You just interviewed a random ass fellow who claims to be Scott Gimple. I'm, I don't know. The only things I do know are one, Karen, you're gorgeous. B, boom. <laughs>